Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Did you have any idea that there are different kinds of love and they can be well-formed or badly formed? You may have never heard those terms before, and I'm going to discuss it today with my colleague, my friend, and my guest, Dr. Gary Salyer. So stay tuned and find out if you have well-formed love. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. If you've been here before, I'm glad you found value and returned. And if you're brand new, welcome, welcome, welcome. Here we give you help for toxic relationships, whether in the interview shows each week or in my solo cast where I give you real insider information to know what's happening if you happen to find yourself in a toxic relationship. So today I'm delighted to be speaking with my friend Gary Salyer again, Dr. Gary Salyer. He's written a wonderful book and he has so much wisdom for us that I invited him back to talk about this very important topic about the difference between well-formed and badly formed love. But before we get on to that, Gary, tell everybody what you're most excited about and what you want us to know about you. Well, who am I most excited about? I'm excited that I get a chance to serve the world and help make love safe in the middle of a pandemic crisis that's global. Uh, and I'm, I'm happy to be here. I mean, I've always enjoyed our friendship, and it's an honor to be with you today, Roberta. Oh, thank you. And Gary wrote a wonderful book called Safe to Love Again. I hope you'll go and find it. I mean, it is just what you're waiting to hear. If you're wondering, can I ever trust myself to get into a relationship again? What should I look for? What should I heal in myself so that I can feel safe? What about attachment theory? All of that is in there. I love the book and I hope you go and find it. Where can they get it, Gary? They can get it on Amazon. Just look for Safe to Love Again. Sometimes Gary Salyer will do it. And, <laughs> you know, right. And where will they find your website? Uh, it's at, under my name, GarySalyer.com. G-A-R-Y-S-A-L-Y-E-R.com. So yep. you got that. Gary with one R, G-A-R-Y, Salyer, S-A-L-Y-E-R.com. Okay, yep. details over. Let's jump into this. How do we form our idea of what love's supposed to be? How do we form our idea of how love is supposed to be? <laughs> we usually form it way early in life. It's usually passed down from parents, right? Um, and from what I, the way I look at it, there's several ways form. You just don't get the right permission slips, like I talk about in the book. These rights, you don't have a right. But families are little funny little things. They there's these rules of belonging and a lot of badly formed love comes because, you know, you have to be snarky to belong in a family. And, you know, 
you know, some rules, it's everybody's a snark, right? So we get it young. Uh, sometimes we can get it from a former spouse, you know, or just who we, we, if we marry the wrong one. But most time we get these rules, um, forms for love that are badly formed from basically parents, families. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that dealing with hijackles, of course, everybody on the podcast knows my term hijackles, but if you're new, I'll just tell you, these are the people who hijack relationships for their own purpose, and then they scavenge them for power, status, and control. So people who have been in a relationship where maybe there was a hijackle parent were never validated for their feelings or their desires or whatever. How does that impact our opinion of what love should be if it's good? Okay. Well, I was thinking about this for sure. I've used the term for some years, badly formed and well-formed love, right? Badly formed love, it's like, um, you know, if you've ever had a car that's been in an accident, if it's just a normal fender bender, it can be fixed. But if that frame is bent, you, you know, every time you hit the brakes, it pulls to the side. It's badly formed underneath. <laughs> you know, I used to have a car when I was in college that I knew had a bent frame. And so every time I, I, I learned to hit the brake, I automatically had a reflex to turn to the left because I knew it was going to pull to the right. And when I got in a new, another car, I nearly got in an accident pulling into the left lane because I was used to doing that. It's, it was badly formed. It pulled in directions and it couldn't help itself. That's badly formed. Um, there's, you can have it because you didn't have a right to anything better in your family. And there's something called, but most of this badly formed stuff is there's this can pass down in some families that love has to be suffering in some type. And uh, people get bonded to the suffering they share between each other. That's one huge form. Or related to that, the grievance they have. Um, These are the people that never get, they've been married 30 years. They should have divorced, you know, 31 years ago. (laughs) No. And, but they won't because they keep coming back to the fight because they're addicted to the grievance with each other mm, yeah. and, or just, the suffering one or the other yeah, let's just stop on the suffering and the grievance for a minute because yeah. this kind of inherited adapted and adopted stuff it's coming in your pores it's coming in your cellular memory it's coming into your very primitively formed brain compared to what it's going to be when you're 30 <laughs> And so all of this is happening to you and you're kind of taking it in as you go. How do I get the approval of the giants that I need to survive? What's the family story? How do I feel like, hey, we're in this together? How do I get that bonding with the family that, okay, even if we are all, it's a terrible world and we're all suffering through it together. Even if that's the way we bond, I have to learn how to do that in order to survive. That's the thought of the young child. So what do we do when we look back and say, whoa, um, that was my family story? It is. You know, imagine a family story in which mothers and brothers all learn that the, the key to being a family is to serve what, the, and the phrase is all through the family, 
you walk in and say, what's for supper? And, and one of them will say, hot tongue and cold shoulder. This phrase echoing through the generations. <laughs> now that's, you know, you know, if anybody goes, nobody goes out to Sizzler and says, boy, I want some hot tongue and cold shoulder. <laughs> this is badly formed. And they're bonded over the grief, over the, the anger they give each other. The rule of love is if you're not angry at somebody, you don't have a relationship with them. The bond is defined it, with love mixed with anger in a very suffering way. Um, and when you have that sort of dynamic, uh, well-formed love is the exact opposite of that, but that's badly formed love. It's like an alloy between love and some painful thing. So it's always love plus suffering, love plus anger, love plus grievance. And it just bends the whole relationship in a way that like the car, it can never fly in the direction of love. It always goes to the left or right. It goes off course. So now you've made a distinction because you said it never goes in the direction of love. And yet isn't badly formed love a direction of love? Uh, I guess it could be, I guess, but not real love. Uh, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't give you a feeling of really feeling love. It's a bond. And I think there's a difference between that. It is a bond. This badly formed love is a bond. We have a mammal brain that loves bonds, but it's bonded over pain and suffering and anger or guilt. Um, any of those bad things like that. Um, and it's and it really warps the relationship out. Imagine if you have a family where shame and guilt are are the thing. Where you're constantly doing things to make sure that, you know, you know, that would have been really good five years ago if you'd done that, honey. But you know, so much has passed and the damage has been done. I'm so sorry you've done so much damage to our relationship. That's <laughs> I just want to smack you right now. <laughs> you, know, you know, but that, now that's an example. There's a bond. I would never divorce you, but, you know, there's a bond. They don't want to get rid of it. There's a certain love. They protect each other if anybody came in the house. And yet there's this tie, this bond between them is based on making each other feel really guilty, deficient, whatever you want to. It takes different forms, but it's always something painful that pulls the love that is it's love plus something painful. And I call that badly formed. Oh yeah. I agree with you. That is badly formed. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. It, Hijackles it, are good at that, but you don't, but not everybody that's a hijackle has this, right? Hmm. Okay. We could go down and talk about that for quite a long time. <laughs> Yes. Because if hijackles knew what love is, yeah. hijackles would not stay hijackles. Yeah. I guess I'm saying that because there's the hijackle variety. But then there's the people for whom badly formed is, I really have to suffer. And they take, they're more the victim. They, they don't go out of their way to really be perpetrators. But it's like, you know, love is, I just got to serve and it's never going to be good but I'm in this relationship and I've got to exhaust myself. That too is a form of badly formed love. Well, they wouldn't also, fit their normal narcissist or borderline characteristic. Yeah. Well, it would be actually for a covert narcissist Could. because they're going to go in the direction of, 
you never let me do anything. I've never had a break in my entire life. It is just <laughs> so difficult never being visible in this relationship. They're going to go down that one, the poor me's and covert narcissists, covert hijackles. They can cry on demand and sometimes even produce tears. Yes, they can. Yes. I just think, I think the thing is, I have seen degrees of this and people with what I call middle-class craziness. Now, the full-blown stuff, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the hijackles, the narcissists, the borderlines, those people are masters of the ill-formed or badly-formed love, right? And, you know, the whole thing is, is to recognize that this, this, this bond, and it really is less, it's, there's a bond there that is bond plus pain. They're bonded over the pain they give to each other. And the only time these relationships uh, break up is when one person finally gets finished taking the pain. Then it's over. But there is a, they, it's like they are bonded and the bond is about giving the pain to each other. Uh, oh, you're describing my mother and father. <laughs> you know, and we stayed together for you. Please don't, I used to say, please don't. But, well, no, we have to because that's what marriages do. And, of course, when my parents were marrying, there was a different cultural norm that divorce was not that common and divorce was not that accepted by any stretch of the imagination. And if you really had it together, you stayed together no matter what because you promised. Well, we've changed some things there, but exactly what you said, you put two hijackers together like my parents, and they are bonded over their suffering, and their suffering has to do with doing it on my behalf. Yes. And that is an incredible piece of baggage that they tried to get me <laughs> to carry for them. Unfortunately, at about 12 years old, I said, uh-uh, no, no, I think it'd be much better if you separated. Please do. And their, their story didn't fly. But what about that? What about these long-suffering people who... <laughs> stay together for the children and stay together because they made a vow and yet they are pulling each other apart at every turn, every juncture, every opportunity, and then justifying it, rationalizing it, and making excuses for it. You know, I like, for instance, when you look at this, for, they have the belief, they really have the belief that life can't be any better and this is all, and suffering is the best we get. I can still remember in high school, my mother, borderline personality disorder, man, she loved soap operas. And I, and, and, and me, you know, the 16 and 17 year old Gary was maybe a little less tactful. You know, a fewer filters. <laughs> he would make fun of these soap operas, right? There was once when this one, there was this beautiful, wonderful couple that, you know, they were, there was nothing wrong. They actually loved each other, right? And everything always goes wrong. And I was always making note. There's no such thing as anybody that loves each other. Everything goes wrong. And when these, they were three days away from getting married in this soap opera. And, and I said, you, and I said, snarkly, you watch it. She turns out to be his long lost sister. Guess what? <laughs> Three days later, I had called it, and I said it in jest. And then, and she goes, "How did you call that?" 
And I said, I said, mom, everything about this is about suffering. And I said, everything goes wrong. A life can't be that way. And she, but this is where it got telling. She goes, no, Gary, you're wrong. When you, you're going to find out that life is exactly like this. Life is suffering. You suffer in every relationship, Gary. You know, and I said, then you can shoot me now. (laughs) I said, (laughs) so why do people do it then, mom? I mean, if if everybody's just saying, open the door, I'd like a helping of suffering. Why do people get into relationships in your mother's point of view? I mean, obviously, it's a rhetorical question, but, you know, I see that. I see exactly that. You know, we went through periods of huge dysfunction. What draws us to television now? Dr. Phil, Jerry Springer, people filled with hijackals. Um, They wouldn't have any programming if it wasn't hijackals and dysfunctional people. And, and yet we're drawn to it like, you know, moths to a flame. Oh, look at that. Isn't that awful? And yet we're also learning from it you know, subliminally learning from it. And we may think it's awful, or we may find ourselves kind of cheering them on because some unspoken part of ourselves feels that. And we know we can't cheer for it at any other time, but we can cheer for it on television programs. The rules and families. This is, I think, a lot of badly formed love. I mean, we could talk about the stuff in the book, the rights. But for this show, I'd really like to, that in families, there are rules. Uh, you'll be like me. And the rule in all families is you'll be like me, right? You got to join me. Gotta, you know, we got to be uh, similar. Or <clears throat> it's converse. I won't have it any better. So there's these rules. Um, and in, you know, and so every family, if there's these, the reason we go back uh, is I need to be like you in some way. And if this is the family heirloom passed down that, you know, uh, Somebody has to be the designated goat, you know, scapegoat, or somebody, nobody can be happy. Uh, I had one client, um, he grew up in a family, man, this must have been a, an interesting family. He was Hispanic, big guy, macho guy, right? Like six foot six, 285, right? And he looked like Eric Estrada, for God's sake, right? And he comes in and, he, and he's crying. Uh, and, and I wasn't expecting that because my hand was like lost when I gave him a handshake. <laughs> right. And he says, I don't know why I did it. I go, what did what? You know, and he just cries. He says, I don't know why I had the one night stand. I didn't love her. She wasn't even pretty. I have no idea why I did it. But now my 18 year marriage, which had the goods keeping housekeeping seal of approval is in flames. And my wife wants a divorce. It turns out he grew up in a family where, you know, these are two hijackal candidates. They, they, this has to be a world's record. His family was the mom and dad were always arguing and bickering in just horrible ways. They divorced each other five times and remarried each other six. This is badly formed love, right? You keep going back like, uh, like Fraser versus Ali, except that, you know, they cut it down at three, right? And in that family, everybody has the most egregious ways of just being snarky. Snarky was the word all over the place. Everybody in the family 
he had eight or nine siblings. All of them were no, the least amount of divorces was three and the, the most was five. And a couple people stopped at four and said, I'll never get married again. So everybody, what's the rule? We will keep coming back after the pain from mom and dad, right? So in his, so imagine in that family where everything is based on snarkiness and divorce and pain, here comes a guy that gets married for 18 years and he has a wonderful, loving, well-formed relationship. So the rules of belonging say everybody's got to be miserable. So he has a one-night affair to blow up his relationship to get his union card back so he can belong. I can be like you. Mm. That's the pull in a wealth and a, in a badly formed relationship. Usually it comes from us acting out old rules of extremely bad, you know, love that's laced with the, you know, the cyanide of, of grievance or guilt or control and domination, whatever. Yeah. So sad because for some reason, and I'm sure you went into it with him, for some reason, he needed to not only go along with the family story, but he needed to punish himself for being different than the family story. At yeah. some moment, he's like, someone has said to him, well, who do you think you're so good that you've been married for so long? You know, what's, what's, what's up with you? Don't get ahead of yourself, boy. You know, that kind of thing, because you're talking about being from a culture that is what we call um, <clears throat> collectivist meaning the family is more important than the individual. So for one individual to stand out and have a long-term marriage where the other ones are tearing it up, um, that they, he could have been subjected to a lot of subtle and not so subtle pressure, side remarks, nasty remarks, blindsiding remarks. What makes you think you're so special? It'll happen to you. Just watch. Exactly. You'll blow it just like the rest of it, you know? You know, yeah, yeah. When you do, you can. And the and the underlying premise is, and when you do, brother, you can belong. Yeah. That's you'll be like us. We'll welcome you into his arms. When you can tell us what a lousy low life wife you had, and really and really treasure, you can belong again, and you can be like us. And we can commiserate over our beer and our, you know, uh, and. That's, and that's, you know, a lot of times it's based on misery. Yeah. And, and that type of, and, and when people get bonded to just misery, um, it's very, very uh, badly formed. And some people do that. They, uh, and because it's the only way, if, well, if I didn't have uh, an argument, we would have no relationship at all. If we didn't have the suffering, we would have no relationship at all. It didn't take me long as a child. I wrote about it in the book to realize that my aunts who, you know, came into the family, not <laughs> understanding hot tongue and cold shoulder. Right. Uh, uh, all. And then of course it's so nasty that there's alcoholism trying to cover up this pain that's there. And they all became alcoholics. They, they, I watched them all. They started off when I was a little kid, not, I don't drink. And when the, the when the, the absentee husbands went out, they joined them in their misery. And then they became snarky just like. And, and, and by the time I was 11 or 12, I'm going, well, now the ants are saying the same thing as the uncles, right? 
And it's like, you want to destroy my life? Good. We'll continue to be married, but I'm going to destroy yours too. You know, and I noticed there was this circularity of love with a barb, <laughs> you know, um, and there are, you know, some, some of the terms might be trauma bonding. That might be another way of looking at it. But I just call it ill-formed or badly formed. And it's usually, it's got this devotional suffering quality to it. Uh, the, and, if, and you can tell it when somebody really doesn't believe they can have it any better. That's kind of the key. Yeah. And just think about how many songs there are in the world that say, well, love hurts. Yes. I mean, love hurts. It's too difficult. People leave you. You know, terrible things happen. Everybody disappoints you. What would you expect? That's the way love is. And so when you come along and you write a book called Safe to Love Again, someone says, go through that again? <laughs> you know, not, not likely. So we want to be really clear that when your book and the things that I talk about too, we're helping people see what well-formed love can be and show the difference between what you may have been shown and what you would like to create, correct? Exactly. The point is, it doesn't have to be this way. You know, uh, you know the, the fact of the matter is, is you can swap out painful belonging for belonging in a different way, you know. And that's exactly what we're both here for, Roberta. We're here because it does not have to be that way. We, you know, we can, you know, what we do is we, we can take, we can be alchemists where we take the love and we, and we let the misery be kind of, you know, like when you heat metal, all the stuff that's bad comes off. We, that's what it is. So we have just the pure golden metal of love. And that's possible. We don't have to love uh, based on guilt or grievances or you know, sabotage or all that other uh, horrible stuff. And that's why I wrote the book, Safe to Live In, as a, as a roadmap for when you have these patterns, you know, how do you, how do you store your attachment style so that you have what it is to form a lasting loving that feels good? Um, it's not about uh, having the same, loving the same way again. It's loving the way love is meant to be felt. Well, you just said something so important. You said forming lasting love that feels good. Exactly. (laughs) And I think probably everybody just went, yes, get me some of that. Um, Because that's the direction we want to go in. And the good news is that's the direction we can go in if we decide that we want that in our life. And remember, everyone, It's something that we can choose. Even though we may have had a horrendous upbringing, maybe we lived with hijackals. I certainly came out of a hijackal lair. Uh, The entire family on both of my parents' sides were hijackals of the ultimate. And if you've had that, you have to look at it and say, What happened? What did I pick up in my childhood? What might I be still having as an unrecognized belief about how love runs? Mm -hmm. And am I living it out? Am I projecting it into my current relationship? Or maybe I'm not in a current relationship. Maybe I'm projecting it on the entire dating world. 
and suggesting that, you know, well, look at all these happy people. Well, you know, they must be pretending or that never lasts or whatever story that you have to tell because you don't believe it because you haven't experienced it. Exactly. <clears throat> and I think the first step is when you've come from any of those places, the likelihood of having a grievance yourself against all that stuff is there. And you have to give up the grievance against parents, life, and love. The idea that love failed me. You know, I can never find love. Uh, I think one of the changing points in my life was, there are lots of it. And I thought I, and I was different. But after my second divorce, there was this huge grievance. How could life and how could love be so unfair? And I blamed it, of course, all on my mother. <laughs> right? And... I can still remember working with the guy that trained me and he said, you've got to, for, you've got to let go of that grievance. And I said, you, and I, I remember saying, and it's important if you, if you've any of you are out there, just listen to see if this rings true for you. Uh, and I looked at him and I said, you mean you want me to let her off the hook? And he looked at me and he says, no, Gary, I'm not asking you to let her off the hook. I'm asking you to let your own life off the hook. Because, and that was really a, a turning point, that all this grievance was just creating more and more pain. And now I, it wasn't her having the grievance, it was my grievance. We have to stop the grievance against all that pain and suffering. Dr drop the charges, so to speak, because the court case is just, you're never going to win in and you're, you know, uh, it's too costly on a life to keep going uh, the whole life. And then to be able to say, what if I chose better? I can choose better. I'm going to make my ancestors proud by living in the way they never understood. Mm, beautiful. Yes, we can do better. All we have yeah. to do is want to. Now you know, <laughs> hijackals don't want to. No. So don't go expecting them to do the changing. You live your best life. You get informed you get empowered you get skills you get insights you understand the family you came from and the one that you no longer want to create <laughs> and what kind of relationship would you love and move in that direction thank you so much for sharing your endless wisdom with us gary thank you thank you very much I've been talking with Dr. Gary Salyer. He's the author of Safe to Love Again. You can find that on Amazon. And you can learn more about him at GarySalyer.com. G-A-R-Y-S-A-L-Y-E-R.com. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. You can find me at 4RelationshipHelp. F-O-R Relationship H-E-L-P.com. I hope you will enjoy listening to other episodes. And find me also on YouTube at Guess What? for relationship help. Until we speak again, take very good care of yourself. Be very kind to yourself because you matter. Talk soon. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash save your sanity. 
Learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast on my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.